Rise up. Welcome to Rise Up Radar, where we keep the Falcons on your radar. Thank you for joining me, Stan Parker, for another episode. Let's have a ball and show. Back again with another episode, Mr. Ty Brooks. What's cracking, brother? Hey, man, doing pretty good. Just uh, looking forward to this Thursday night football game between the Panthers and the Falcons. Third- CJ Brady in action. Yes, Thursday night football, baby. It is a, you know, yet another, um, a wor- what do they call them, working interview <clears throat> for uh, Joe yeah, Brady? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'll be I'll be tuning in pretty hard to see what kind of plays he call he's calling against this uh, leaky. I keep hear, seeing that term around the internet. Leaky Atlanta Falcons uh, secondary. Uh, leaky does not give this defense credit. I mean, they are way more than leaky. More like oh, sinking. I don't know. Um, so this thir- obviously this Thursday night is going to be the Falcons and Panthers. Probably around 8.30, somewhere around there, 8.20 p.m. on Fox. And it's in Carolina. Uh, the Falcons lost the first uh, first matchup this year. This would be the first first time they meet – or the first time they meet. This would be the first time the Falcons play an opponent again. They'll play the Panthers. And here there's a couple key points to the game. And the biggest one of them all – the Big question of the day is, will Christian McCaffrey play? And I'm sure our buddy Zach, who's been on the podcast before, I'm sure he will be happy if Christian McCaffrey comes back because I think he's on his fantasy team. So, Well, r- rumor has it that Christian McCaffrey will play on Thursday. That was the latest I heard yesterday. Yeah, and I saw some reports this morning that said he was iffy. All right, so – if you're Christian McCaffrey, uh, it's not Christian McCaffrey. If you're the head coach, which would be Matt Rule, if you're Matt Rule and you beat him, you beat these bad old birds the first time without Christian McCaffrey, do you let him sit and heal another week? Like what? Like what's the thought process there? I mean. Maybe, but this is a must-win game for the Carolina Panthers. So I would say you probably need to play him just because you've lost two in a row now. You've lost to the Bears. You got a twenty-three to sixteen loss to the Bears. You lost to the Saints, twenty-seven to twenty-four. Heartbreaker. And then you have Kansas City after the Falcons game. So you really, this is a must-win for the Carolina Panthers. So I think you need to play Christian McCaffrey. So with all that, like I said, like with all that being said, I, like. And like you said too, that I think he will play, and he's going to show out. And the Falcons' uh, run defense has been. Listen carefully. <laughs> the Falcons' run defense has been better than their pass offense. So I'm not saying it's been better. I don't know. It's been better comparatively. So, um, but he's going to create so many mismatches. And like we talked about in a couple episodes ago is the tight end being like the matchup to watch. Uh, The Hokerman from Detroit really burns you. This guy right here out of the backfield is – he's ridiculous. And uh, he might be the best in the league out of the backfield. Um, He is a – he's a game-changing running back. And 
the Packers are going to have their hands full. Yeah, without a doubt. So I think it's real interesting to, yeah, this is, like we said, this is an audition for uh, for Joe Brady, one of many this season, to maybe be somebody's head coach, whether it be college or the NFL. But I hope that Arthur Blank is watching closely on Thursday night because I think the development of Teddy Bridgewater has been a big key for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, so when Teddy Bridgewater came out of Louisville, he was, you know, considered, you know, number – you know, uh, first-round quarterback. And Minnesota drafted him. Then he tore his ACL. He got hurt. He's kind of bounced around to a couple of different teams. He's with Joe Brady a couple of years ago in New Orleans. And now Joe Brady sitting there as the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. He's got Teddy Bridgewater. And I think the development of Teddy Bridgewater over the course of the season, he's averaging right around 263 passing yards a game. And he's almost passed for 2,000 on the season. So he's having a really good year for Carolina. He's uh, thrown for eight touchdown passes. I think that Joe Brady's gotten a lot more out of him than they possibly could have dreamed of getting. I mean, even like his completion rating is good. I mean, he's got um, he's got a, his uh, overall quarterback rating is uh, right at a hundred. It's ninety nine point one. I mean, that's like you said. I I harped on him at the beginning of the year, and I, you know, he's not as nice as other people are saying, but it's a kind of a testament to Joe Brady. And obviously Teddy B, he's the one actually throwing the ball. So like learning and listening and, and developing um, into a, a starting caliber quarterback. So it's like kudos to him, but yeah, like you said, it's, um, um, it's, it's been cool to see his, his development as even if it is a, a rival. So that's pretty, that's a pretty awesome, um, uh, I guess feather in his cap for Joe Brady, uh, which which Todd likes um, a lot for the Falcons head coach job. Yeah, he's my number one choice. So his... I, I would I would love for Joe Brady to come in to Atlanta and be their head coach. And there's some that would argue that Joe Brady's not ready for a big time job like that. You know, give him a couple more years as an offensive coordinator, <laughs> or let him go coach in college for a few years. But I do not belong to that pedigree at all. I, I'm saying. Hire this guy while you can, because if you don't, somebody else is going to snatch him up. And I think it would be perfect to bring a younger guy, just have a different mentality for once, and hire somebody who's outside the box, have him come in as the head coach. And whoever the quarterback is, it may be Matt Ryan, it may be some third-string guy from some other team that maybe he can just work magical wonders with as a stopgap between maybe that quarterback and a top quarterback in the draft in the next couple of years. That's a really good – you know, I'm not mad at that plan at all. I would be totally cool with everything you just laid out there. I I would be cool with it. I would like to see the Falcons get back into the winning ways. And I'd like – here's the deal. The fan base is tired. Mm-hmm. The fan base is worn out. And I speak for fans because I am a fan. I'm not – I don't know if I could call me a super fan. But I am a big fan of the Atlanta Falcons. This is my team. I've been rooting for the Falcons ever since I could walk. I am a Falcons fan, and I am fatigued. After the Super Bowl, a piece of my soul left my body. And every year after that, the seven and nines, the eight and eights, the seven and nines, whatever's going to happen this year, uh, you know, it liable to be three and 13. Um, and I couldn't even name the 
the other ones that who they could beat. But like, ever the fan base is tired, and and I don't know if even with the pandemic happening, you would see much different attendance for these games. So, with that being said, your plan of getting new, getting ingenuitive, or getting outside of the box, like your plan you're talking about, like getting outside of the box brings excitement to the franchise. Like people want to go, oh wait, whoa, Joe Brady's here. Like, hey, we got a we got a new quarterback that's young or I don't know if that that might be we might be harping on that a little too hard, but like bringing some new faces and some new blood in here to get excited for to get behind the city, I think would be I mean, it would it would go a long way for Falcons fans. So, yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with that. Somebody innovative, somebody who's fresh, different voice. I, I agree with all of that. Yeah. Okay. So to this to this matchup on on Thursday night, short week for the Falcons. Obviously, short week for everybody. But like Thursday nights are just uh, lots of times uh, for betting purposes. The home team typically wins this game. Um, which is, which would be the Panthers. Um, on paper, dude, do you know the Falcons still have the number four passing offense in the in the in the league? No, number three. Yes, I, I did know that. However, their running offense definitely has not improved. Oh, you remember how last week when we were playing Detroit? One of the things I was worried about the whole time was. Could the Falcons take advantage of Detroit's running defense? And they never really did. I think they only rushed for about sixty yards in the game. 60, so like sixty eight, yeah. Yeah, that ended up being a big key. And and, and, and it got cranking here. It got cranking late, but they could not figure it out. It's like play calling it was is just like it's like he's got a Madden sheet over there and it's got seven plays that you should run. Like, you know, like Madden, you just click the button, click, 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 click. All right, let's play football. Like, if someone – if I'm the type of person that when I'm playing something – like Madden, I like to, like, dig through the playbook and find something exotic. And you only get so much time. I'm terrible at Madden games. For as much sports, as much games as I play and as much sports as I watch, I'm horrible at Madden games because I'm, like – I want to call, like – exotic stuff and i want to stay in the situation and uh anyway dirt cutter's playbook is pitiful he needs kicked out of town i would feel better dude i would feel if they called me up tonight i would go down there and call plays for him so i'm just saying um so the falcons have the number four number three in passing yards which is and here's this is the crazy this is the interesting stat they're both tied with the same um, rushing yards per game. The Falcons are tied with Carolina at 105 rushing yards per game, and that's number 20th in the league, number 20 in the league. You don't think – you know, you would think Carolina have, would have a little higher rushing attack, but not not, uh, not the case, in my mind at least. Um, and then – Third down conversions, we don't really care. The defense is what scares me. The Falc the Panthers defense, man, they're top ten in passing yards against and total yards against. Which is like that's 
their defense has been surprisingly good, even holding the Saints. Well, the Saints kind of a weird story this year, but like, you know, hanging with the Saints and playing some gritty defense. I don't know. I just the defense has been surprising to me with no Luke Keekley and big name guys like that. Yeah, and then you have the hangover factor too going on with the Atlanta Falcons. Like, are they gonna let this third you know, third um loss where you have a big lead late in the game hang over them again. Like you, and actually, of all three losses that the Falcons have had to win because you basically – all you had to do is run out the clock, and you couldn't even do that right. Right. Like you didn't blow a 30-point lead. You didn't blow a 15-point lead. You just simply didn't run out of the clock, and you ended up losing. So, how are the Falcons going to handle that mentally – facing off against a desperate Carolina Panthers club who need this win before they have to face off with Kansas City. And two, like on the other side of that, like kind of the same like vein is, you know, the Panthers could be mad. You know, they let one slip away. They had, they were, they played them tough, uh, the Saints in a divisional game there. And, you know, we, we are better than them in their mind. Maybe it's their, their thoughts there and they come out and play tough, especially with their, they're, like the heart and soul of that team is Christian McCaffrey. And if he's back in the lineup, like we've said before, he's going to be a big difference maker. And I got a sneaky feeling that if he is in a lineup, he might not run all over the Falcons, which I think he might, but I think he'll catch passes all day long over the Falcons because they're linebackers. Um, and really like safeties can't, can't stick with him. That's just one of those. That matchup nightmares. I mean, that goes back to my point, too. I mean, that's what makes Joe Brady so good is the fact that he literally was missing his best player on offense for the last three or four games, and they still have been a pretty good team and have been able to contend. And remember, at the beginning of the year, I think everybody was picking Carolina to be last place in the division. Yeah. Well, that's – I mean, I think the Falcons definitely have a stronghold on that title. So. Uh, oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, here we go. Um, they got – does this move your needle at all that Marlon Davidson has been activated from the COVID list? He's going to play second-round pick out of uh, Auburn? Man, I'd like to see him do some stuff because, like I mentioned earlier this season, he was, I thought, the best draft pick that the Falcons made. But let's just – you know, see what he does. I mean, I agree with you that Terrell's better than I thought he was going to be. I still think we reach for the guy, but he's better than I thought he would be. Right. That's uh, I I accept that, Todd, as your apology, and um, we can I move never said forward. I apologize. Our, yeah, we can I, move forward in our friendship. You're uh, reading too much into that. I never said I apologize. <laughs> I just said he was a reach. I said right. he's been better than than. Yeah. I anticipated it to be. Yeah, that's for as sure. close to an apology you're going to get to me. Okay, yeah. that's it. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I think he played well um, against Detroit. I think uh, Keanu Neal played well against Detroit. Um, but, I mean, this is a very leaky team. And also, too, okay, so think about think about last time the Panthers played the Falcons. And in the fourth quarter, all those arm tackles that you, he didn't, they, uh, Mike Davis didn't have 
that great of statistical running game that game. But if you would look at that tape at the in the last ten, you know, the last quarter, the Falcons were missing tackles left and right because that defense is so wore out. And I think that's going to happen a lot again this week um, with the – what did Christian McCaffrey go out with? Do you remember? I have to look it up. What was it? Mm, I don't remember off the top of my head, no. Me neither. So I was thinking maybe it was some, uh, I don't know, some apprehension with his with his legs or something. But if he's – they're going to let him play, they're going to let him play. He's going to run ramshot all over the Falcons. Yeah, you know who else had a good game against the uh, Carolina – against Detroit the other day? You know who else had a good game against them? On defense, Dante Fowler. We were talking about Dante Fowler on the last episode. And I think that you would agree at this point, Stan, that after Dante Fowler's game, you know, he hasn't done much this year against Detroit the other day. And then Todd Gurley, you know, going across that uh, that uh, touchdown. touchdown line. Yeah, that Dante Fowler's been the most impressive of the free agents, although – slight margin and maybe I'm overreaching here myself but yeah, I just wanted I to would, throw that out there. I, I'm gonna no I'm gonna stay I'm gonna stand my ground. I'm gonna um t- uh Todd Gurley is um top three in or uh top three in red zone touchdowns. Um I'm definitely gonna and he he put a notch give you that I, I give you that. That's definitely one thing that Todd Gurley has done well. He's done really well with red zone touchdowns. However he's been very poor and just general yard gainage and you know, uh, explosiveness and between the twenties, yeah, uh, yeah, he looks slow. He looks bigger. Does he look bigger to you? I think he. I, I mean, I don't think he looks bigger, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's not exercised as much. Maybe he's he's eating lots of red meat these days. Yeah, I don't know. Getting uh, get the COVID diet going, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, okay, getting uh. Marlon Davidson back from injury. That'll be good. Um, and I don't think we get anybody else back from the injury. And I think injury list is like you, I think we've talked about it before that it really doesn't matter who suits up. Oh, what I, I meant to ask you last game or last episode, not last game, last episode we did. Um, what did you think about the, uh, the uniforms from uh, red, oh, yeah. red to black? Yeah. The matte finish. I like them. Matte. I like, like I said, the uniforms have grown on me a little bit. Um, just looking at, like, because I just saw pictures of them at the right. beginning of the season. I didn't really like watching any video on them or anything. And I was just like, eh, I don't know about this. And But then after they put them on, even from that very first game they played Seattle, I mean, I like all the uniforms, combinations that we've used this year. Like, I think they all look really good. And I really, like I said, I like the way the Falcons um, mm-hmm. logo really pops on the helmet. Like, I really mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I, I I like the uh, the the only one I was gonna have to be um, uh, talked out of would be the white one, and I'm really not a fan of all white uniforms anyway. Um, but uh, the red to black fade or the gradient or whatever it is, it's, uh, it was a pretty cool. And uh, you know, you don't really know what it looks like until you get all 52 guys on the sideline wearing the uniform. But that's uh that's pretty cool. All right, so back to this matchup Sunday. Or uh, Sunday. I'm so used to saying Sunday. I'm sorry. Thursday night. Stan, Thursday night. It's uh, going to be seven thirty. Uh, seven thirty, eight twenty. I think it's eight twenty, brother. Seven thirty, eight twenty, Eastern yeah. time. It's going to be seven thirty somewhere. Come on, man. <laughs> it's seven thirty somewhere. It's going to be late. It's going to get later and later. So we we stand up and do a live broadcast after the game, Todd. Uh, not a, that's a negative. No, that's a, that's a negative on you. Okay, that's fair. Um, 
<laughs> All right. So what are your big, so what is, give me two, give me two of the key fact, how, two reasons why the Falcons can win this game. Two maybe, reasons? Yeah, maybe one. Dude, give me, that's a, uh, give me I mean, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's the one reason that I can think of where they're going to be able to win just because he's such a good quarterback. But I just can't think of a lot that would be positive for the Falcons here. I mean, they, they can't run the ball. They can't defend. And they're going against a Joe Brady offense. So, I'm not seeing a lot of good things there. I mean, Matt Ryan would be the one reason they could win the game. Yeah. And they're not winning because of Raheem Morris and his coaching decisions either. Ooh. I'm over that one already. Oh, yeah. You were like – well, listen, you were already out the door with him from the rip. I was trying to, like, be nice to him and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, he was really good in press conferences and stuff. And, yeah, he's – you know, they had him fired up for the first game. And, you know, maybe he – who knows, man. But you were like, no, nah, don't get fooled here. No. We've seen this before. And uh, we have – and the real Falcons came back. So yep. uh, it's in their heads. They're like, we're just we lose, we blow leads. That's what we're known for. We've been known for that since the Super Bowl against New England. And it's bad that we're still stuck on that after almost three years since the game, but or it's been almost four years, right? Yeah, yeah it's it's been almost four years. So, so it's like, yeah, four years now. So we're still stuck on that Super Bowl four years later. That's... We should have moved on by now, but we're still stuck in there. We're we just can't get past it. It's like no other season has happened since then. It's re- it's crazy how much, like, talking uh, – so you stop somebody to get gas and you're talking to somebody at the pump and they're like, oh, the Super Bowl this, the Super Bowl that. It's like that was the 2016 season. That was, like, literally, like, four seasons ago. Like, things have happened. Uh, lots of things have happened since then. But that's the one that – you know, that's the one that sticks in everybody's crawl, and that'll be a part of Dan Quinn's legacy. Would be, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, my answer would definitely be Matt Ryan. It would be Matt Ryan goes off, Calvin Ridley has a big day, or Julio is Julio's been known to torch the Panthers. One of my favorite uh, Panthers game, Falcons Panthers games of all time. Hulu goes for 300, and Matt goes for 501 yards um, and just trashes them and gets somebody fired. Obviously, it's different circumstances now, but, um, yeah, that would be my, my answer. Calvin Ridley getting involved again. Um, yeah, I think he's – I think Calvin Ridley is the number one um, receiver on uh, in the Falcons now, I think. I, don't, I think he's been that way for a couple of weeks now, but he's on paper he's got the most statistic, stats to be the number one receiver. Do you know that? Yeah, I did. I think you're right about that. Yeah, he's got six hundred. Yeah, he's got six hundred fifteen yards. Yeah, um, six touchdowns. He's also been a lot better in the red zone than Julio Jones. And yeah, that's the weird thing about Julio Jones' career too. As good of a receiver. As Julio has been, he's never been a good red zone receiver. He's never been the kind of receiver that's going to give you a lot of touchdowns. So I see this very encouraging that Calvin Ridley is not only getting the yardage, but he's also getting the touchdowns in the red zone. Producing in the red zone, that's huge. And having, I think he's got good hands. I think he's, uh, I know he's had some drops, some unfortunate and untimely drops, but I think he's got good hands. He catches the ball like actually like 
at the point really well. Dude, did you see the DJ Metcalf chase down that defender uh, for the DJ Metcalf from Seattle Seahawks? Um, chase down uh, Cardinals defender. A Cardinals defender picks off Russell Wilson at like the, the two-yard line. And it's a cornerback, and he picks off, and he's got the field ahead of him. He's trying to take it to the house for a pick six, and he's running like 90 yards. DJ DJ Metcalf from the other like the other hash mark catches the cornerback at like the 10 yard line. And it reminded me so much of Julio Jones. That Julio Jones has you can go look on YouTube right now. Everybody go home. Stop what you're doing. Go to YouTube and find the Julio Jones playing defense montage. I think he could be safe be a safety if he wanted to. Yeah, I didn't actually because Seattle played Sunday night, right? So that's yeah. kind of like become my TV night. I watch a little uh, Fear the Walking Dead and Walking Dead World Beyond, and I watch Fargo. So I've got like three shows lined up on Sunday. Oh, okay. I'm like, I was watch TV, watch the Falcons on another TV, watch the, another NFL game on another TV. Like Seattle was on there, but I don't really pay a lot of attention. Like, oh, there's a score, but I didn't even put that on. I had the World Series on instead. Man, which by the way, the Dodgers just won the World Series. We went final a minute ago. Wow. Well, that could have been the Braves. Could have been. That's could have been, uh should have been. That's a uh, podcast. That I really wish you hadn't told me that. Um I'm in I'm in the studio right now with the door closed. Uh cut off from the rest of the world. So um uh, I'll spoil it for you. Thanks, oh, Todd. Well. Appreciate it. Who really I mean, you know, who's really watching baseball if you're a Braves fan anymore anyway? I just I have it on, I'm like flashing to it, but I'm like I don't really care because – yeah, it could have been the Braves. I wanted the Braves to be there. But oh, well. So, anyway, going back to this comparison here. Okay, so I've, I've got both stats up between Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. So, Calvin Ridley's got 615 receiving yards on the season. Julio's got 447 receiving huh. yards on the season. Calvin's averaging about a yard more per catch than Julio. He's averaging 15 and a half yards per catch. Julio's averaging about 14 and a half. And then the touchdowns aren't even – close calvin's got six julio has two yeah and if, i remember you know one of those is a scramble drill for the for julio of you know matt ryan thought he was going to run it and it was like a scramble like outlet scramble drill so like that wasn't even a scripted play but like yeah julio for whatever reason just i think i think what it is is he's such a freak athlete and such a threat everywhere on the field that um, that in the red zone, I think they just clamp down and bracket him a lot. I think he gets doubled a lot, and that just it shows in the numbers of his career of being um, in the red zone, so just being too much of a threat. So, and I don't know why. The, so, some quarterbacks could throw this throw, but some quarterbacks can't. But like the back, it's the back. Either the back shoulder fade, runs to the pylon, just turn around. And just the back shoulder fade, just drag your toes. We got a touchdown, or the top shelf throw in the corner of the end zone. You got a guy that's six four, and I was—I got a sneaky feeling he could dunk the basketball. I got. Oh, I'm sure he could. I, I'm sure he could too. So like he could out jump people. He could hop on the ball just like Tony G. Um, just throw throw it top shelf, and y'all get that. Like if y'all would just practice that and be able to uh, replicate that in a game. You can go top shelf and toe tap and have it, but like they don't have a bread and butter 
Aaron Rodgers gets into the red zone. And he's like, okay, here it comes. Back shoulder fade. It's happening to somebody. So I don't know. It's um, that really frustrates me too about Julio. Um, so, and granted, yeah, Julio missed a couple of games this year, but Calvin also has a significant number of more targets than Julio does. Matt Ryan's targeted him 64 times, has only targeted Julio 39. Russell Gage has been targeted more than Julio, too, with 43. And you so, got to think, and then think about this, too, that uh, in one of their losses, one of their embarrassing losses, there's been so many, I have a hard time keeping track of them, is uh, Calvin the Dallas Ridley, game is what you're talking about. Yeah, Calvin really had a shut great out. game, and Julio didn't have anything today, even though he did almost had the ball in his hands and he just missed the catch. Yeah, uh, Calvin really got shut out that game. Like, so like you could think about that if he if he even Hul- up, you mean Julio? Julio got shut out that game. Oh, there was a, no Dallas, Dallas. I'm talking about Dallas. I'm talking about Dallas. No, mm-hmm. the Dallas game, Calvin Ridley, that was his record game. Dude. He had like 150 yards receiving in that game, and Julio did not have a single receiving yard that day, and he dropped a touchdown in the end zone. Yep, right there at the bread basket. I remember now. Uh, they, mm-hmm. all get, they all run together. So, uh, yeah, I was told – yeah, I messed that one up. But that – isn't that weird how that happens, though? Like, you got this like, – Hall of Famer of uh, wide receiver, and he that would have been like touchdown number three, not at that point of the season. But like, I mean, how I don't understand why you have how you can have this crazy of an athlete that you're not drawing up back to my other point, drawing plays up specifically. We're going to call this the Julio special. Get Julio the ball. Like I, I feel like I would just do that. So maybe that would make me predictable. Um, running that bunch formation or whatever you they want to do. Anyway. All right, Todd. Comes down to the time of the show where we need to make a bold prediction. I need to know where your fandom lies right now and what's your where my heart fandom lies. Where you, where I mean your, where your heart is and where your head is. I think my heart and head are in the same place the Falcons lost. Um <laughs> Okay, let me let me have your uh, let me have your official score prediction. Okay, so I'm going to go with uh, the Falcons are going to have a hangover after blowing a third game during this particular football season. Carolina's in a desperate must-win situation, coming off losses to the New Orleans Saints and the Chicago Bears with that gigantic Goliath ahead of them the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going with Carolina 41, Falcons 10. 41-10, Todd? 41-10, brother. Can't can't pick it any closer than that. 41-10. Look, it's at Carolina's Palace, too. They're not going to be playing in the confines of uh, Mercedes-Benz. I mean, realize there's no fans. I mean, there's a few fans, but not very many of them. And Carolina's got something to play for. The Falcons don't. Carolina, 41, Falcons, 10. Like a steel train, buddy. Okay, well, my prediction is similar to yours, but it's not as egregious as your score prediction. I think mine's – I do expect all those things to happen that you've mentioned. I think this is a get – this is a – what they call a get-back game, a get-right game. This is a tune-up before the the Chiefs come to town. 
Uh, I think actually they play that on the road probably. Uh, but it's a tune-up before the Chiefs. Uh, they come off a real the, – the Panthers come off a real heartbreaking loss. So do the Falcons. It has inverse effect on the Falcons. I think they might shrivel a little bit. And their offense um, does well, but not well enough. Their defense is just too leaky. So I'm going um, – Going uh, 34 to 17. 34 to 17. Okay. Keeping it a little bit closer, but right. It's still, uh, I mean, still, that's it's almost relatively the same margin there. I probably could have been yeah. 34 21, uh, but 17 feels right. Um, I don't know, man. I just feel like the Falcons are just due for just an old-fashioned blowout at this point. They haven't really had that yet. I think they're due for one. I mean, I mean, what better way to do it than against a rival? I mean, come on, Carolina Panthers, just kick it. Well, yeah. Well, they should. They, they should start awarding draft picks based on margins of victory. Then you can just really tank it up. Like that's how. That's how you should do it. Like if you just. Get your brains beat off as you get the number one pick. That's how Dude, I feel. They could do they could do like a points system like hockey does. You get certain amount of points per loss. Like so, like a loss gets you, you know, zero points, but like a tie gets you one, but a win gets you three. So if like you if you like your margin of loss gets you X amount of points and like the point standing at the end, I could totally see that working, and uh, that would be you know the Falcons could the Falcons could run away with that one. Um, anything else you want to add for the people before we get out of here? One thing, actually. So, did you see Tony G's interview with Matt Ryan from the other day? I he did not. interviewed him on the NFL on Fox pregame show. Oh, I did not see that. And so, they started talking about the trade. Now, we talked about in the last episode how would not be traded away from the owns before the season ended. But this was when that rumor was still really there. And uh, he, Tony G actually asked Matt Ryan, what did he think about it? And he was like, you know, well, I'd, I'd like to play in Atlanta the rest of my career, but I certainly would understand if they have to make a change at this point because you, you, this is a business and you have to do what you have to do as a franchise in order to continue winning. So I, I, th- I think Matt Ryan at least realizes that uh, it could be inevitable that eventually he will leave Atlanta. Yeah. I can't hear you. Okay. What did you, I mean, in honesty, like, what did you expect him to say? Like, oh, I hate being here. I hope they trade me. But, you know, I, I hope, I mean, I expected him to have that answer, but uh, to hearing him say that, you know, it's a business and he understands, this kind of gives you a window of like, hmm, I wonder if there is, he's ready to punch his ticket to go maybe to LA or somewhere. Chicago, LA, Chicago, Indianapolis, the New York Jets, the Jets. 49ers, so that would be interesting with Shanny. Um, all right, well, my computer's getting weird, and I don't want to lose this. So there it is. It's it's back. It's back running now. Um, we had we got like paused there for a second. Um, anything else for the people? I know I've already asked you that once. No, that's <laughs> it. That's it. Forty-one to ten. Forty-one to ten. Rip the Falcons on. Woohoo! Yeah, like a runaway train. Okay, well, yeah, those are my final thoughts, too. Go Falcons. You can do it. You can 
Uh, everybody, hang on. It's going to be a long – I mean, we're not even through the halfway point of the season, but that's okay because if the Falcons – something interesting happens to the Falcons, we will cover them here. We'll talk about it twice a week. We record on Tuesday nights and on Thursday nights, and we will publish them for your consumption on Wednesday morning and Friday morning. So just look out for those. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And until next time, Falcons fans, rise up. Dang, 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 dang.